Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Here today in the house of the Lord, just by means of announcements, and you can always then look on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our screen. Amen. Next Sunday is May the 26th. That's Memorial Day weekend. We will have one service in the a.m. next Sunday. One service in the a.m. on next Sunday. Hallelujah. And so there's some that I already know that's going to be gone and so on and so forth. Uh, that is one of our more heavily traveled weekends here at the church as it seems but uh, there will be service in the a.m. so you want to be a part of that next month in June and I say next month but you'll bat your eyes twice and it'll be next month but next month in June we are having revival with, with, with evangelist Mike Michael Maupin the 21st through the 23rd that's a Friday through a Sunday and so we're gonna have a good time uh, in the house of the Lord with him also in the month of June the 30th of June is a fifth Sunday and uh, we are going to also use that as our Sunday school picnic Sunday and have a time of celebration and eating and, and uh, such. And we're also going to uh, honor Jacob. Jacob Perkins, a graduate of this year on that day as well, just graduated this past Friday. And so we're going to just let that be a time of celebration into the Lord and to a new milestone in Jacob's life and uh, Sunday school picnic. And so just a good time to come out and be in the house of the Lord on that day. So you don't want to miss that. Those are some items you want to keep aware of in your calendars. If you'll stand with me this morning and turn to the book of 1 Kings 22. 1 Kings chapter 22. I'm going to start with verse number 48. I'll admit to you today that I tried to skip over doing this this morning and just save it to kind of polish off a little bit more and keep till tonight. I really was telling God that this morning. God, I'll just teach a nice little lesson this morning. And we'll just, we'll just, you know, give me a little few more hours and I'll polish that off and we'll do that tonight. But as the Lord is, uh, his ways are not my ways and his thoughts are not my thoughts. So we're going to do this this morning. And I feel like heaven is already helping me in my mind and spirit. I hope to help somebody in this place today. The Bible says in 1 Kings 22 and verse number 48, Jehoshaphat made ships of Tharshish to go to Ophir for gold. But they went not, for the ships were broken at Zion Geber. Then said Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, unto Jehoshaphat, let my servants go with thy servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat would not. If you allow me, I'd like to read verse number 48 from the New King James Version. It's the book, the version of the Bible that I've chosen to read this year. It says it like this. Jehoshaphat made merchant ships to go to Ophir for gold, but they never sailed, for the ships were wrecked at Zion Geber. 
the help of the Holy Ghost today. Man, I feel the help of the Holy Ghost today. I want to minister to you ships that never sailed. Ships that never sailed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you today. Oh, God, you know so much better than what I know, Father. I'm praying, Lord, that you would help me today. God, formulate, Lord, every thought, Lord, every word, God, that would come out my mouth. Lord, let it, Lord Jesus, I pray, God, not miss its target. Lord, let it be understood, I pray, God. Let it be understood, Lord Jesus, in this place. Let it be of some help, Lord, of some, Lord Jesus, direction, I pray, God, to the people that are under the sounding of my voice this morning. God, and I'll not fail to thank you and recognize you, Lord, for the completion of this matter. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray, hallelujah, hallelujah, and the church say amen today. Hallelujah. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Ships that never sailed. It's a contradiction in terms, really. It's equally as opposing as saying the gentle torturer or a snowy summer's day. Those things just don't seem to go together or line up. It's a contradiction in terms when you speak about ships that never sailed. Ships are destined for voyages on water, but not just any water. Lakes and rivers are not their enterprise, but rather the open sea, the ocean being taken up and down by the waves at, if you will, the mercy of the tides. It's there that she has been designed and built and meant for the open sea. It's there that these ships cut through the water as they harness the forceful winds in their sails. It's there that ships will be propelled to their appointed, appointed destinies upon the great seas out far hundreds, thousands of miles from any land. And though their design supports that they should be on the open sea and the tides and the winds aid in that, still there are ships that never sailed. There are others that never knew the waters beyond their own harbor, never had known the waters beyond their own port. Such was the USS recruit ship, as it was called, when completed in 1949, it was 225 feet long. It had a 24-foot, 4-inch beam and a 41-foot mast. It was commissioned on July the 27th of 1949 for the U.S. Navy. Not quite a building and yet not quite a ship either. It observed the traditional Navy, uh, naval ship board procedures like all the other Navy vessels did. It had cleats, it had chalks, it had mooring lines. It operated as any standard Navy ship. 
The USS Recruit was commissioned for 18 years by the Navy. It took on about 50,000 men each and every year, but it was the only commissioned ship that never sailed, having no boilers, having no engines, having no screws, as they were called, other things that contended concerning its engines, never, never left her, amen. Always, without those things, it never left the arbor. It never left even the land. Therefore, it was labeled in nickname, the USS Never Sail, amen. It was denoted by it never leaving land, being a ship that was never set out to its its full purpose. In 1628, the brand new Swedish Navy flagship called Vesa, amen, would embark on her maiden voyage. It is considered this ship the world's most magnificent and yet useless warship. It had ornate carvings on its back, sea creatures, mythological characters, angels and kings embellished all around the hull, if you will, of the ship. It gave it a dominant presence, but Vasa was a top-heavy ship with 64 cannons when most in that day only had 48. It placed quite a bit of weight up high on the ship, amen, which already had a lot of weight on it from all of the riggings of the ship. One man said this, and there wasn't enough ballast in the hold for the ship. The ballast was the material that was in the hull of the ship that helped keep its stability, helped keep its balance. In other words, he was saying there wasn't enough in the ship to keep it stable. There wasn't enough in the ship to keep it afloat. An empty hold meant that you was gonna have an unstable ship. And so on her maiden voyage, she sailed eight tenths of a mile before she sank into the Stockholm Harbor and the Stockholm port from which she was trying to leave. It never made it out of its own port. And today, Vasa is the world's best preserved 17th century ship, amen, and most visited now after it's been drug up out of the sea as a museum in Scandinavia. It will never be known as the ship that was just waiting. It will always be known just as the ship that was just waiting to sink. It'll never be known as the ship that sailed. Someone say amen. From my understanding, did a little study in here this week that Sea Research Society tells me this, that most shipwrecks don't happen in deep water. They don't happen where there's thousands of miles that's below the ship. It isn't the cannon duels between uh, warring armies that caused most of the ships to shipwreck. It isn't pirates upon the sea that come against the ships that cause most of them to shipwreck. They say, according to their research, most of all shipwrecks are caused by ships simply running aground on rocks, on coral reefs, on sandbars, or even on other wrecked ships. Thousands, they say, are lost within swimming distance from the beaches, swimming distance from the shores and the arbors from which they left. Did not the apostle Paul in his account of Acts 27 tell us of the events of the ship of Alexander that as it was nearing land, the Bible says the forepart struck fast and remained unmovable, but the hinder part was broken with the violence of the waves. He said very plainly that they ran the ship 
aground as they was nearing some land. Shallow waters, not deep waters. He ran aground upon his arrival to a land. But there's many others, unlike Paul, that are like the ships of Jehoshaphat that run aground upon their departure rather than their arrival. And they become ships that never sailed. Someone say amen. The Bible says for the ships here of Jehoshaphat, these ships were broken, scripture says, at Zion Geber. Zion Geber was a port city of Edom. It was along the Red Sea. Its name means the backbone of a man or the giant's backbone. It alluded to this Zion Geber, uh, to the mountain range that came down and even went into the sea with parts of the jagged rocks sticking up in the sea that all sailors had to be aware of. He said they wrecked there at the giant's backbone or those rocks that were sticking up there in the ocean. The Bible tells us plainly, just give me a little time this morning, I have a point in all this. The Bible tells us plainly that Jehoshaphat had ordered ships of Tarshish. He had made ships of Tarshish to go, but they did not go. Tarshish is not describing where they were going. Tarshish describes the type of ships they were. They were ships for long journeys. They were ships for long voyages. And he ordered some some ships that could go long distance on long journeys and on long voyages. Ocean going ships if you will for the very purpose of getting some gold from Ophir. But the Bible says Jehoshaphat made them but the ships never set sail. Amen. For they were met with disaster in the home port that they left from at Zion Geber. He had ships built to sail and they never sailed beyond their I will tell you today that what it looks like from the scripture is that there is a physical problem that the ships of Jehoshaphat met. It seems as though and it appears as though perhaps the jagged rocks at Ezion Geber was to call a man fault to for the wreckage and for them being broken apart. Whether these rocks were just below the surface or just peeking above the surface on the Red Sea there, it seems as though that was the cause for the ship running aground and being broken. Amen. They caused the ships never to be put out of their open sea, never to be put out beyond their port or their harbor. So it would seem, can someone say amen? When we think, why in the world, Jehoshaphat, are you even doing this? Why are you making ships? Why are you constructing them? Why are you setting them out at this harbor? Perhaps Jehoshaphat was just wishing to attempt and renew that the King Solomon had done prior to him. We read in scripture that, that Solomon had some of his own commercial ventures of going and getting gold and precious fabrics and, and peacocks and such from other surrounding lands. And he used the same port to do this. He sent ships out of the same port that Jehoshaphat is sending them out. Amen. Perhaps Solomon Solomon we know in scripture had previously constructed a navy right in the same place that Jehoshaphat is attempting to construct a navy, a fleet of ships on this shore and he had sent them out and he had been successful. Read with me here for a little bit. I know I got a big porch but I got a house behind it. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter number 9 and verse number 26 this and King Solomon, we're 
going back in time right now. And King Solomon made a navy of ships in Zion Geber, which is beside Eloth, on the shore of the Red Sea in the land of Edom. And Hiram sent in the navy, his servants, shipmen that had knowledge of the sea with the servants of Solomon. And they came to Ophir. That's where Jehoshaphat's wanting to get. And fit fetched from thence gold 420 talents and brought it to King Solomon. So we know from history that ships had went out of this port before. We know from history that a man has been successful navigating around, if you will, the giant's backbone and the jagged rocks before. We know from history that Solomon indeed had made it to Ophir and brought back 420 talents of gold for the people. We know according to history that he was in alliance with a man named Hiram and he had some people that was knowledgeable of the sea that helped in this guy but when we read of Jehoshaphat under his rule, under his guidance, the Bible tells us that the failure of the ships happened in the port and not at sea. They went forth to go sailing, amen, but it, they were not accomplished. It did not happen. Can I tell you this morning that the failure of the ship sailing had nothing to do, amen, with gold not being a notable reason to take, amen, this sea voyage. It was a notable reason. Solomon had done it. No doubt here is Jehoshaphat thinking he can do it as well. That's not what caused those ships to sink because he had an improper reason or improper motive. That wasn't it. It wasn't because Jehoshaphat didn't have people on his ship that had knowledge about the sea or had knowledge about how to traverse, if you will, the open water. That's not the reason these ships failed. That's not the reason they fell upon the rocks. For that matter, I'll tell you today, it's not because of that mountain mass that came down in the port that kept Jehoshaphat and his ships from getting out because Solomon and his men had navigated all that before so it wasn't an impossibility it could have been done but the reason why the ships never sailed is because they Jehoshaphat had forged a foreign alliance with the adversary and I just stay here with me a little bit. Let me read a little more scripture from Chronicles, the harmony of this, this story. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 35, the Bible states these words. And after this, Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, joined himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, which is just basically meaning ships that could take long voyages. And they made ships in Ezion Tabor. Amen. Then Eleazar, the son of uh, Dudavah, of Mershanah, uh, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy works, and the ships were broken, that they were were not able to go to Tarshish. And so what I'm telling you today, on the surface, in the physical world, it looks like the rocks coming up through the water at Ezion Geber was the reason for there being a shipwreck, for the ships being broken, unable to go. It wasn't because gold wasn't a notable cause. It wasn't because the waters couldn't be navigated. But there in the physical world, there's a connection with the spiritual world that God tells us about. It wasn't just the natural rocks that came up out of the water. But 
because Jehoshaphat joined himself in alliance to Ahaziah. Amen. A foreign alliance. A man that had done wickedly that God says, I can't allow this ship to leave port. Although its intentions might be good and its motives might be proper, it's in a compromising alliance and there are just some ships that are not meant to sail. Folks, this is not Reader's Digest today. This is the Encyclopedia Britannica version, okay? I'm here to tell you this morning. He said, listen, here's the reason why the broken ships are there. He says, I'm gonna break your works. I'm gonna break what you were seeking to accomplish. Nothing inherently wrong about wanting to go over and get some gold. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nothing wrong with wanting to leave the port. Amen, there by the Red Sea. Nothing with that at all. No problems with the navigation. Nothing of that at all. I have a problem with your compromise. I have a problem you're getting in bed with the adversary have a problem and he says I can't put my thumbprint of okay although there's nothing inherently wrong with that because you've made this alliance someone say amen someone say amen see Jehoshaphat man scripture says brother Terry that Jehoshaphat seems to be a pretty good guy he seems to be a pretty good man we understand that he was a king of Judah he was a notable king they prospered greatly underneath his command they prospered greatly underneath his care he was the son and the successor of Asa king of Judah the Bible says when he first became king he fortified his kingdom against Israel amen he made himself strong. This was the type of man that Jehoshaphat was. The Bible said he went throughout all of the land and where there was idolatry where there were people worshiping false gods of wood or stone. He went throughout all the land and he cleansed it. He tore those down. He was setting all the people's focus back to the one true God. The Bible even says that he sent out priests and he sent out Levites to every area of Judah so that they could go and instruct the people in in the law. You know what he said? If I can't get the people to us, he says, I'm gonna, if I can't take the, get the people to us and to God's word and to truth, I'm gonna take the truth to them. And he sent them out in every area, amen, to share the law of God. But the Bible tells us after he's done all of these things that he has a tendency, Jehoshaphat's pitfall in his life is that he has a problem with making unholy alliances he'll clear the idols he'll send out the people with the law on their lips to proclaim it all around but he falls back to the old vice of making unholy alliances perhaps one of the first unholy alliances that he ever made was with his own son Jehoram whenever Jehoram was born and he was then of marriageable age the Bible says that Jehoshaphat allowed his son Jehoram to marry Athaliah, which is the daughter of Ahab and Queen Jezebel, one of the most wicked kings of Israel, one of the most wicked queens of Israel. He allowed there to be, if you will, a foreign alliance with something that was good to something that was evil. But the Bible also says, after he's put the law throughout all the land and tore down all the idols, the Bible says that Jehoshaphat made an agreement with Ahab for war. You can find this in your Bibles in 2 Kings, amen, chapter number 22, I believe it is. You can read there, 1 Kings rather, chapter number 22, you can read of the story there. Ahab, this wicked king 
of Israel calls out to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, and he says, Jehoshaphat, will you join me in warfare? Will you join arms with me and let us go to the Syrians, to Ramoth Gilead, and let's apprehend that. And so here is Jehoshaphat trying to be a godly king, trying to set everything in order, but he's made a foreign alliance with a man that does not have the same values as he has does not have the same, if you will, uh, disciplined beliefs as Jehoshaphat has. And the Bible says they go into battle. And here's what Ahab said. Ahab said, we're going to go into battle. He says, and as we go into battle, I'm not going to have on the kingly garb that they would recognize me king as. He says, but I'm going to, I'm going to disguise myself. But you can keep on your stuff, Jehoshaphat. I'm going, to describe, I'm going to disguise myself. We're going to go into warfare and we're going to fight the battle. And so they did. Ahab, the wicked king, disguises himself but Jehoshaphat having made this alliance goes in with all his kingly amen describing his garments everything that he would have on as a king in battle that would denote him as king what they probably knew amen but didn't really just grasp a hold of is that the king of Syria said whenever you go to war this day against Ahab and Jehoshaphat fight with nobody except the king in other words, if you can get the king, we're going to be on the upper hand. And so as they go out to war, guess what they're looking for? Somebody in military garments of a king. And there's only one king out there with that on that day. It's Jehoshaphat. And he only has his on because the man he was in alliance said, you just keep yours on, I'll disguise myself. And the Bible says as they went out to warfare, those boys started to come after Jehoshaphat and they were nigh taking his life. But then Jehoshaphat looked back and he cried out to them and they realized that's not the king of Israel that's the king of Judah and they left him and went on their way and so he made a foreign alliance but God had spared him God had spared him in that moment if I can say it like this that was a ship that was never sailed for Jehoshaphat he should have been a dead man right there in that moment but God said there's just some ships I can't allow leave port there's just some things I can't put my hand upon there's just some things I can't give the okay to and so that was a ship that never sailed he was able to maintain his life because there was a wreckage that happened in the port and they weren't able we read after this alliance that once again it's like Jehoshaphat learned a lesson the Bible says he went back he's opposing idolatry all over again I've learned a lesson here. That ship didn't sail. Thank you, God. I'm alive today. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, oppose all the idolatry again. It's, he says he'd done this after this had happened. He deepens once again his worship to God, his obedience to God. As a matter of fact, he ensures that there's judges all throughout the land that's given righteous judgment for the people. Judges that are loyal to God that's going to uphold the statutes and the precepts of God. And after he's done all of this, someone say amen. amen. After he's done all of this, we read then of our story, him making an alliance with Ahaziah. Let's make some ships. So now he went in alliance with a foreigner for war, and now he's going in alliance with a foreigner for trade. And they're going to make some ships together. And it seems as though if you read the scripture that they made the ships the first time and they were broken 
And it's almost like Ahaziah, Ahaziah even asked, why don't we try it again and make them again and send them forth again? But the Bible tells us that Jehoshaphat somehow had learned his lesson and said, no, we're not even going to attempt this a second time. If they broke the first time, we don't need to even be trying this a second time. And this is a man, Jehoshaphat, that the Bible describes that he was a man who sought the Lord with all his heart a man that sought the lord with all his heart that is the epitaph upon his life that's the description upon his life that doesn't mean he never had moments that he didn't make a mistake that doesn't mean he never had a moment amen that he did not make some wrong decision but when the end came he was a man who sought the lord with all his heart. I'm trying, I don't know, I might be doing a horrible job at this this morning but I'm trying to talk to people in this place that you might have sought some plans. You might have sought some aspirations. You might have sought some ventures and there's nothing wrong with the venture. There's nothing wrong with the go. There's nothing wrong with the plan but if you've laid down in the bed with an alliance with your adversary then God may wreck your ship before it even gets out of port. Not because it wasn't an honorable plan but you didn't have an honorable companion for the plan. Someone say amen. Hallelujah. God, I don't know. God, I don't Something happened in the life of Jehoshaphat. Hear me? Something happened in the life of Jehoshaphat. Let me tell you something. You know, there's the old saying, that ship has already sailed. And that means you got there too late to get the boat. You missed opportunity. You missed a chance. But listen, there's some ships you better be glad they've already sailed. But there's some other ships you better be glad never sailed. There are some ventures in our life that's been crashed in the port and we've been disappointed. We talked to God. There's been other people navigate the same waters but it has nothing to do with that. It all has to do about what you're in relationship in the moment that you're trying to do it. There's some ships that you need to raise your hands and say, thank God that ship never sailed. Thank God that ship never sailed. Thank God that relationship never worked out. Thank God that decision never came through. Thank God that promotion never happened. Thank God that... Listen, so we see him. He's making foreign alliances with Ahab. He's made it with Ahaziah. But the Bible says there comes a point in time in his life. We read according to Chronicles. And there's a little bit of a, a debate about whether this, where this takes place. But from what I read, most of this takes place. This, this battle against the Moabites and the Ammonites that the Bible speaks of that Jehoshaphat did. It takes place after his ships have been wrecked in the bay. The Bible says there are some notable foes that come against Jehoshaphat. Moab and Ammon, they're going to do war against him. They are arraying their army against him. And you know what Jehoshaphat would have had the tendency to do any other time? Make a foreign alliance. Find an Ahab or find somebody to make a foreign alliance every other time. But this time, the Bible says... After his ships had already been wrecked in the port, this time, the Bible says, 
that Jehoshaphat takes his case to God. And he's like, Lord, what would you have me do in this circumstance? Lord, what's the right choice? What's the right plan? What's the right venue in this circumstance? The Bible says that he called a fast. The people began to fast. The Bible says they began to pray. There was prayer and there was fasting that was taking place in preparation for a battle that didn't look very successful, if you will, for Jehoshaphat. And then the Spirit of the Lord spoke to Jehoshaphat. He said, Jehoshaphat, we're not going to win this one with soldiers. We're going to win this one with singers. We're not going to win this with soldiers. We're going to win this with singers. I want you to get the Levites and I want you to get the instrumentation upon them and I want you to gather the singers around and you all, you've been fasting and praying. You're going to go out there on that day. You're not going to raise a sword. You're not going to have a shield, but you're going to go out there that day and you're going to sing the praises of the Lord and watch this. He says, and the praises that you are going to sing are going to be this. Your heroes are going to be the singers and the song that they are going to sing is going to be this song. Blessed be the Lord for his mercies endure forever. Hold on. What? Blessed be the Lord for his mercy. Yeah, blessed. Don't get it wrong now. You're going to sing blessed be the Lord for his mercies endure forever. And the Bible says as those singers and musicians went out there without sword or shield and they begin to proclaim blessed be the name of the Lord for his mercies endure forever. The Bible says the Lord sent some ambushments against the adversary and the enemy. Brother McGee, that's not nothing. Oh yes it is because whenever I hear the plea, blessed be the name of the Lord for his mercies endure forever. And I understand mercy is keeping me from getting what I should have gotten. Basically what Jehoshaphat is saying, go out there and say, blessed be the name of the Lord because there's some ships that didn't sail. Blessed. I don't know what the outcome would have been, Brother Fred, had they got the goat. But I know if Ahaziah had anything to do with it, it wasn't going to turn out right. I don't know what the whole story would have been, but God seen that that foreign alliance, it wasn't going to turn into anything favorable. And he says, so I'm not going to allow that ship to sail. And so as Jehoshaphat is out this time, he's saying, I should have been a dead man already, but God didn't let that ship sail. I don't know what would have happened from my trading adventure with Hosea, but that ship didn't sail. And so today, I'm not leaning on that foreign arm. I'm not leaning on the arm of an enemy or an adversary or making other, any other alliance except with God. And we can win this battle today. There are some battles you can be victorious in your life because it was a ship. I just can't get this together for you folks. Some of you think some of the greatest prize moments is when God delivered you out of something. But some of the greatest moments is when he delivered you from ever getting out of the port. I thank God that he got me out of this and got me out of that. There's some things he saved you from that you're not even aware he saved you from. There's some ships that went shipwrecked in the port. You're disappointed over and you've even cried out to God. That's a bunch of nonsense. But what you don't realize, he was saving you from great affliction by not letting you in the open water. So it's okay today to have a past where some ships never made it out of port. That was God's mercy upon your life. That was God's mercy upon your family. That was God's mercy upon your soul. So thank God for ships that never sailed. Yeah. Thank God. Yeah. 
what I'm saying? Jehoshaphat's name means the Lord is judge. I think it was Abraham that said, will not the judge of all the earth do right? So if the boat is sinking in the port, God is judge. If I'm not getting beyond the rocks of Ezon Geber, God is judge. If my ship never has the goat of Ophir on it, God is judge. I'm just going to stand back on the shore and just say, thank you, Lord, for the ships that never sailed. I'm telling you right now, there's some people that's sitting in homes and houses and maybe even among us that wish some of the circumstances they're living out right now had never made it past the shore, had never made it past the port, had never made it out of the waters. There's some people sitting in prison, I guarantee you right now, that wish that opportunity never came about with that foreign alliance in their life. They're wishing that ship never did sail. But we're living on this side of it, folks, and we don't need to curse every ship that falls to the depths of the sea. We need to raise our hands and thank Thank God for his mercy. So we say amen. Thank God that most shipwrecks happen in shallow waters. Before you get to the open sea. Thank God. And thank God for the people that's like Jehoshaphat. That says, we tried this endeavor once with you being my companion. And it was shipwreck. I don't see why we need to be trying again. Because that was the pleading voice of Ahaziah. Let's build them again, Jehoshaphat. Let's try again. Honey, if it was wrong the first time, it'll be wrong the second time. And you better just lean on the mercy of God that he provided a shipwreck at the port rather than in a, What are you saying? He might let you get on past the port next time. All the people say, God, this is what I really need. This is what I really want. We need to run. God says no. You know what they say? God, this is what I really need. This is what I really want. They plead with God. You know what? God gives them it. What does he allow? The ship to get beyond the port. And now they're so far from the land that whenever it goes under, there's more fatalities than there would have been had it been just a mile from the shore because that's within swimming distance. I dare to say that some of the things we have brought upon ourselves is because we went after the first no. We have went after the first uh-uh. We went after the first God said, no, you shouldn't do that. We said, well, I know better than God. This, I can do this. And we get in our little ship, we rebuild it, and we get out into the waters, and all of a sudden we're crying for help now whenever God had already given us an answer the first time. We gotta be, if you will, sensitive to God. We gotta hear the voice of God. We gotta be obedient to God and learn to follow his instructions the first time some ships are not meant to sail think about it the great naval flagship Vasa of Sweden it was underwater for 333 years 
dropped to the bottom just eight-tenths from the shore. That's not eight-tenths of a mile from the shore. That's not very far. It stays below water for 330 years, and they finally pulled it up, and now it's just one of the most, most preserved 17th century ships just for people, it to be a museum that people can walk through. You know, the only thing that those people can do, they can just walk through there and look at all of the nice carvings, embellishments that were there. You know what? They, all they can do, they can only think about what was. But there's nothing operable on that thing to allow her to go to see again. I'm asking you this morning, do you want to be a museum? Do you want to be a well-preserved museum in the kingdom? Or do you want to be cutting the waters to go get some gold in your hall? If you'll stand with me today, I'll come too close. We find later, I don't know what the whole outcome of everything could have been, had he went on and was, was demanding concerning that trip. But I do know this, things went in a positive enough direction, having the ship sink, that I still read in Matthew 1, as I read through the genealogy of Jesus Christ, there's mentioned one by the name, of Jehoshaphat had made some foreign alliances in his life yes but somewhere along the way he had learned the lesson that it's best that some ships never sail and so when he goes to battle with the Ammonites and the Moabites so I'm not seeking a foreign alliance I'm just going to go at this one with God and God says you just go out there singing the praises that you thank him for the times that there were ships in your life that never made it out. His mercy endureth forever. If we bow our heads in this place this morning. Bow our heads in this place this morning. Some of you may be up on some of those ships that are trying to leave port. You may have some, some notable goals and nothing inherently wrong with your purpose. But it could be what you are tied and tethered to, the alliance that you have in your life. It could be that you're trying to go forward with what the scripture would denote as, as an adversary or an enemy or as Ahaziah is denoted someone who did wickedly. There's nothing wrong with building a home or building a family or trying, if you will, to climb a corporate ladder. Nothing wrong with any of those things. But you got to stand back and ask yourself, who are you in partnership with? As you're endeavoring to do these, nothing wrong with them. Who's your, who, who are you in partnership with? Because that may be the difference between the ship sinking in port and sailing beyond the ragged rocks. It might be the difference between navigatable waters and waters incapable of being navigated because there's just some ships that are never meant to sail because of the partnerships
that you have had in making the boats that you have had in the endeavors I'm asking someone this morning be a Jehoshaphat in this regard that you'll make your alliance with God you'll clear all idolatry you'll clear all false gods you'll clear all idols out of your life you'll propagate you'll propagate the law you'll propagate his message you'll speak his truth and the only ally that you'll have will be the only ally that you'll see that you need and that is God and I'll tell you this if that's the case I have a feeling that God is just going to ride on the boat with you like he did with his disciples and the winds can blow and all that and there will be times he'll start, step to the helm of the ship and say peace be still and everything will calm when he's your alliance when he's with you but if it's quite different from that and you have divorced your life of him he may be causing your boats to sink in port he may be causing your boats your ships to go down less than less than a mile from the shore what's it come down to i tell you what it comes down to folks it comes down to the age-old principle of scripture of not making unholy alliances not not being unequally yoked and that goes beyond just relationships of marriage or so on and so forth no no it goes it goes to the thing where he said you shouldn't have a a ox and a donkey in the same yoke to plow a field with reason they don't have the same stride they don't have the same temperament if you were to allow those two to try to plow a field you are going to have some of the most worst looking rows in a field that ever anyone would ever see he says if you want to be successful he said don't cause two different beasts to be in the same yoke but let two of the same beasts be in the same yoke and you'll get some perfect lines going down that field. Why? Because there's just some things that don't go together. There's just some ships that don't need to sail. If we can talk to the Lord right now, if we can lift our voice in prayer, lift our minds in adoration to the King right now. Ask yourself the question, what alliances have you made what alliances have you made in the last year? What alliances have you made in the last month? What alliances have you made? What endeavors have you went forth to do? But what partnerships have you made? Have you allowed God to take a second seat as partnership? Have you sought out something else, someone else, something that you thought was more notable than he to be a partner in your endeavor, in your goal, in your aspiration of life? you sought out something else to be the co-pilot sitting beside you God you know and I don't know if I have this fact exactly right but I remember reading it that the majority and I might not get this exactly right I'll, I'll look at it this afternoon but I know this is close that the majority crashes and planes happen whenever the co-pilot is the one that's trying to whenever the rather whenever the pilot is the one trying to steer the plane and you just have the co-pilot sitting there because the co-pilot since that man is the captain feels a little inferior about saying anything that he might see on the gauges or stuff that could be wrong or could be incorrect he just feels a little inferior 
But whenever the co-pilot is doing the operation and the captain is overlooking everything, it don't matter to him to say, hey, buddy, that gauge right there, or you need to watch this. See, we need to allow, I know in this life we're God, you know, got our wings going. We need to allow God to be the captain because he's not intimidated to say, that ship can't sail. Because if you have a foreign alliance, it's going to be Ahaz say, let's, tr let's just try it again. Who cares if it happened? These altars are open. I don't know how to make it any more platable here right now. Father, I come to you today. God, we need you. We need you. We need you. God, we need you, oh Lord. God, I pray, God, for lives. God, have joined themselves with things. God, that will not bring profit, that will not, Lord, be wholesome. God, I pray, oh Lord, today, Jesus, be the God of mercy, the God that, that keeps the things that we should have deserved from happening, keeps the boats, Lord God, that would have been sailing, God, from, Lord, being released from port. I pray, oh God, today you're able to minister, Lord, to every mind, every heart. God, there's some people here today that can look over their shoulder and say, I tell you what, that should have been a very negative thing in my life, but that's a ship that God didn't allow to sail. That's something that God didn't allow to be played out. It could have been a whole lot worse than what it was, but that was something that God cut off at the past. But it kept from coming to full fruition in my life, and I thank Him for His mercy. I thank Him for His grace. I thank Him for His aid. I thank Him for His help. Uh, Brother Mason, let's go to a song right now. Talk to God through a song right now. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.